What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's up, everybody? I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the Kentucky Field Podcast, and uh, actually sitting in here alone today. I got nobody across the desk for me to have a conversation with, which is kind of strange, but I think it should be just fine. I'm actually doing something a little bit different, and uh, I'll get into that in just a minute. Well, actually, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it right now. We actually had our fall hunting call-in show this past weekend, and several people have requested that we use the call-in show for a podcast. I mean, there's a lot of good information that's given, a lot of people's questions get answered, and honestly, it's entertaining just to sit and listen to what people uh, ask and the answers that the, the biologists and the program coordinators and the game wardens give on those on those topics. And, you know, even working here at the department for as long as I have, sitting down, talking to the experts, reading the hunting guide, getting the press releases, all that, I still learn new things when I watch the hunting show, because some of these are just questions that I never even thought to ask or, or information I never even was curious about until somebody asked it. And then it's like, oh, that is pretty, pretty wild. Some of the things, uh, well, just like, for example, some of the things I took away, uh, were ticks. There's actually an increase in tick, uh, tick transmitted illnesses right now. They're, they're kind of urging people to be careful. You maybe, uh, take a few more precautions as far as, uh, your clothing goes, how you, uh, you know, just to tear ticks from your body, because apparently those illnesses are on a slight uptick this year. Something else I thought was interesting was, you know, the, the regs have changed, which we've talked about several times. And if you paid attention, you know that you can't take an antlerless deer uh, during gun season in zone four. Well, somebody from zone four called in and they asked, well, what if I bow hunt during gun season? And apparently that's still illegal, which is something I just hadn't even thought of. It's not that you can't take a antlerless deer deer in gun season. You just can't do it with a gun. So if you're somebody who's a diehard bow hunter and you want to get out there in the tree with your orange on, you can still stick a doe. I thought that was pretty relevant to a lot of people and interesting just because I never had thought of it. And then just another little fact I learned, just something I didn't already know, was that antler is actually the second fastest growing tissue, second to cancer, which I, I'd always known that it was an extremely fast growing tissue, but I did not know that that's what it was second to, which is kind of interesting, uh, to me as well, but there's a lot of good information in there, a lot of stuff that people need to know, and I was just lucky enough to, to know some of these things ahead of time, but the call-in shows are interesting beginning to end, and you get a lot of crazy stuff. Answering the phones, which is what I do during the call-in shows, is pretty uh, pretty interesting in itself, so we're going to do that today, but first, you know, deer season's here. I've actually been lucky enough to get out in the field. I've been lucky enough to take a doe. Actually, I have a uh, Tupperware container with jerky in it on my desk right now, and I had a uh, a roast out of the crock pot uh, today for lunch and the other day for, for dinner as well. So I'm considering myself lucky. I've already got one down, had some good experiences, got out in the uh, woods and filmed a deer hunt with Chad yesterday. Unfortunately, we weren't successful, but I'm blaming that in part on the wind. It was doing the exact opposite of what the weather guy said it was going to do, which is something that's oh too common, but you know, blowing from the Southeast kind of puts them you know, on their, on their heels a little bit, it makes them not quite want to move as much. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this call-in show because this is a TV show. It's kind of set up for that. So I need to give you a little bit of a uh, info beforehand. There are four people on the show, Chad being the host, the host of Kentucky field TV, of course, uh, second Gabe Jenkins, deer and elk program coordinator, who we've had on the podcast several times. He is the guy who's in charge of all things, deer hunting, deer regs, elk hunting, elk regs. He is the main guy in that department. Then we got John Morgan, who is the small game program coordinator for the Department of Fish and Wildlife. 
And then uh, additionally, Brandon Boone, who is a conservation officer. And they kind of, you know, just field questions as they're related to them. And uh, the cons conservation officer is, of course, there for any law enforcement questions, which we get quite a few of. A lot of people are, you know, just curious on the regs, curious on what to do in certain things. And, you know, it's these guys really provide a lot of insight and information and, and do a pretty good job answering everybody's questions. But because you can't see what's on the TV screen, which is how this is set up, I just want to let you know that the, the first three questions are all fielded by different people. The first person you're going to hear talk is Gabe Jenkins, Deer and Elk Program Coordinator. The second question is taken by John Morgan, Small Game Program Coordinator. And the third question, Brandon Boone, who's the Conservation Officer. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. And you can find this whole video on YouTube. Just search Kentucky Field Fall Hunting Call-In Show. And we put all the full episodes up there on a YouTube for people to watch as they want to. So if you actually want to see the show, just get on YouTube and look it up. All right, let's get right into the question. Uh, this is a Facebook question from Robert. Uh, he says he lives and hunts in Kentucky, and he also owns land in Indiana. He said he's planning on hunting both uh, pieces of property. He wants to make sure that he can transport his deer from Indiana into Kentucky. Gabe, you want to address this? Yeah, so good question, Robert. Um, Indiana is CWD free. Um, so because they are free for, of CWD, he can bring that entire carcass in. Um, for our hunters who go in other states and hunt CWD positive states like Ohio, Virginia, uh, Illinois, Missouri, you cannot bring in the brain or the spinal cord. So make sure you know if you're a travel hunter what the CWD status is of that state. We are actually bordered by quite a few CWD states, right? Yep, absolutely. So, and when you say uh, brain and spinal matter, so essentially you're going to need to pretty much quarter that deer out for the most part. Quarter, debone. The biggest thing to think about if you shoot an antler deer is the skull. If you're bringing that animal back for a European mount, you're going to have to have that done in that state or just skull cap it and bring it back without any brain matter. So if, if a state next to us, it, which is currently CWD free, they locate CWD, can that rule change immediately or how does that work? Right, so yeah, it, it could change immediately. At that point, uh, we would have to do a very big press release. I'm trying to get the word out through media, through our officers, through us to say, hey, this state went CWD positive. If you're a traveling hunter, you cannot bring that infectious material back into the state. So if you do travel throughout any of the states and you're bringing deer back to the state of Kentucky, make sure that you handle that properly and uh, we do not want CWD. No. The biggest thing to think about is just, you know, we want to keep this out. So even if you're hunting in a CWD free state, you know, it's it's good practice to just leave it there. Um, okay. That's the, the thing that I tell all of our hunters, just leave it in the state you're, you're hunting in. All right. Let's go to the next question here, David uh, from Davis County. What kind of shotgun is best for rabbit hunting and why? Now this is one of my favorite topics. Hmm. Uh, it depends on who you ask on this. Yeah. What, what do you what do well, you prefer? I prefer heck. I'm a fairly big guy, and I prefer a 20 gauge. So why yeah. take the punishment from yeah. a 12 when you don't need it? Um, so I personally prefer a, a 20 gauge. Mm -hmm. But heck, there's people that use 410s. Mm -hmm. It depends on the size of the person, the stature. Um, the shot isn't really that big of a deal as far as the volume of shot, which mm -hmm. is a big separator between a 12 and 20. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I encourage a lot of people to not take the punishment and use a 20. I have to say, I, I myself hunt with a 20 gauge, and I like a very light gun because a lot of times yeah, it's an all day walking. That's right. So that's what I prefer is a 20 gauge as well. Yeah, it's personal preference for sure, but I definitely it, encourage 20s. It really doesn't take that much to take down a rabbit. I mean, nah. you really don't need a 12 gauge now if you want to. If you don't mind lugging it around and you want a, you want a little bigger pattern, then by all means. Yeah. <laughs> if you want a little more lead out there, then get a 12, I guess. But um, 
Jody from Muhlenberg wants to know if he can use some form of a contraption to aid in removing a deer's antlers. I'm not sure if he's talking about um, after a harvest yep. or trying to Fall. trying to take I'll antlers when they're falling. I'll take that one. Yep. Uh, no, it's not legal. Okay. Um, you cannot have anything that is designed to ensnare the antlers on a deer mm -hmm. to kind of pull the antlers off when they're essentially going to be coming off anyway because what if your timing's bad, the deer gets hung up and the antlers weren't going to come off and then the deer's stuck there. So answer that question is no, it is illegal to use those. Okay. Jonathan, this Facebook question, does my wife need a hunting license to just be in the ground blind to uh, see if she's interested in deer hunting? Brandon, you can take that. Answer is no. Okay. Just observe, she doesn't need one. And she can not only observe, she could help drag it out, process it, do whatever. She just can't show to the gun and take the shot, right? She could help process, but uh, she can't really, she can't provide aid mm -hmm. for the hunt. Mm -hmm. um, so she can be like a, a, basically a total observer. Once the deer's killed, you know, then she can help after that. Okay. Brandon from Pike County, is there a change in the number of deer you can harvest with a tag purchase? We get a lot of questions that have some changes to them, and this is a good one right off the bat. Talk about what you get when you purchase a deer tag this year. Right, so for your statewide deer permit, instead of two deer, you're getting four deer. Doesn't matter when you purchase that tag, if you bought it today or if you bought it right at the beginning of turkey season, it's gonna come with four deer now. So one antler deer and three antlerless or four antlerless deer. Other than statewide permits, you also have, you also have um, the youth tags, mm -hmm. which also has a change as well, right? Correct. So the youth tag traditionally has just been one deer. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be four, just like the statewide. So that one antler deer and three antlerless or four antlerless. So you still only get one buck and additional bonus tags are still available, correct? Correct. Yep. The additional deer permit, if you want to harvest more than four deer, you can purchase that and that gets you two. Um, and you can put that buck anywhere on those tags, but like you said, one buck only. All right. Liz from uh, Anderson County says, how many, how are the turkey surveys, uh, how are they, how's the turkey surveys going? What's the biggest predator to turkey poults? Anybody want to take yeah, this? Yeah, I'll take the, the turkey question. Um, we've had a really good production year from what data we've seen come in from the field so far. Uh, we've seen over two poults per hen this year which is the early data return that we've seen so far. So if that holds true, it's one of the better uh, production years we've had in several years. So that's a good sign. Um, everything likes a turkey poult, so it's tough to say what likes them best. It's like a young tender chicken. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> anything from, uh, you know, hey, foxes, coyotes, you name it, raptors, of course, are big ones. So there's a ton of predators that prey on uh, young turkeys. Mm. Um, one of the bigger issues is just get them hatched. Yeah. And that's what we've seen in the last several years is really wet springs have really affected uh, turkey production because a wet turkey, if you ever smelled a wet turkey, it's not a pretty smell. Mm -hmm. uh, and coons are very, very effective when hens get wet and when they're incubating. So that's one of the big issues when we have wet springs, we see low production. So, okay. so overall, pretty good this year though. So the poult numbers are pretty good. Poult uh, numbers are real good this year. Is, is overall turkey population, how's it look? Um, statewide, we, we do have some counties that have been kind of uh, working their way down a little bit. Largely, we think it's because of the weak production we've had. It's mm -hmm. been successive years of poor production. So um, they're very susceptible when they don't have good reproductive outputs that their numbers are going to diminish. Okay. Uh, but it's a sign of a population that's at you know, our carrying capacity. Mm -hmm. We've got a very healthy turkey flock. In some areas, we are seeing declines, but we think some of that's just natural oscillations in the in the flock. So, I hope this question about turkeys is because of the 
the late winter turkey season because I'll tell you what, that is an underutilized resource here in the state of Kentucky. What a great time to get out and chase turkeys is, uh, is in that winter season. Best thing about it too is you can take a hen as well. So mm -hmm. if, uh, if you're gonna wait till the spring turkey hunt, you could be missing out. Make sure you take advantage of this uh, winter season. Uh, Henry from Jefferson County. I'm over the age of 65 and he wants to know if he can use a crossbow to harvest deer during the archery season. We get this question quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, as long as he's over 65, he can do that. What if you're over 65 and you don't buy a senior license? You just go, you know what, I'm just gonna go buy a regular deer license. You still, if you're over 65, you're over 65, right? Correct. Okay. The only thing on that is if you're a non-resident. That, that rule doesn't apply for non-residents over 65. Okay. So they would still have to follow the crossbow season or have their exemption. Okay. So that's, that's a thing for residents only. What is the first day of the crossbow season? So it'll be the first Saturday in October. First Saturday. Or, I'm sorry, first of October. October 1st. October, October 1st. Yep. So you got a traditional archery season, not traditional archery, but art, uh, longbow or recurve or whatever you use and compound all combined. It started this year on September 1st. Right. It's in. And then arch, uh, crossbow season starts up on the 1st of October. Right. Like our deer season used to start. So mm -hmm. they, they pretty much get the same amount of time as they used to. Joe from Logan County. If I kill a deer and don't have a phone service, how can I call it in? Um, if I guess he's saying that he doesn't have a phone at all, maybe just absolutely doesn't have phone service. I'll, I, I'll tackle that one. Um, so I guess what he's saying is he kills a deer and he wants to probably call it in right then to be safe, but he doesn't have phone service. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay because we allow hunters after they harvest a deer or a turkey to not have to actually telecheck it in until midnight of when they recover the animal. Now, having said that, whenever the animal is taken and the animal is laying in the field, before that animal can be moved from where it was taken, a harvest tag has to be filled out, which is generally comes on the back of your license. Takes like two minutes to fill out. It uh, has the, the type of the animal, the county, the date, basically everything but the confirmation number, mm -hmm. which you then get when you telecheck and you have until midnight of that day to do it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have service, that's fine. You fill out your harvest log, Throw the animal in the truck, drive somewhere where you can either get internet or phone service, and then you can do it as long as you do it before midnight. So for someone who says they don't have phone service at all, how, is, there, is there a method? I mean, internet, you can obviously telecheck on the internet as well, right? Yep. Um, is there another method? I mean, do you have to, you, you, ultimately you're gonna have to get to a phone and, and check it in, correct? Correct, it's either phone or internet, I believe are the only yep. two ways. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Public library, I guess. <laughs> go, go get on the internet. That works. Dan from Perry County. <laughs> this is a, this is an interesting question. What is the best public land to elk hunt on? Gabe, I'll let you take this. And this changes quite frequently because oh, elk move like crazy. Yeah, I mean, that, that evolves through the years on the best the best area. Um, you know, probably the, the top one would be Revelation Energy Hunter Access Area. But it's also our biggest in East Kentucky besides mm -hmm. Daniel Boone National Forest. So um, it, it really depends. With our hunters, we tell, tell them where they can hunt. And so there might not be that area in some of the parts of the state. So... Um, but yeah, Revelation, I would, well, we pick is probably the top. But we're constantly signing up new property. Correct. So you, you really, if you're, if you were one of the lucky individuals that got an elk tag this year, you want to make sure that you continually come and look and see new properties that are being opened up. We're always trying to sign new agreements with big landowners in Kentucky. Right. And that could be a public access through a WMA or hunter access or the voucher program that we have that's private land that they work directly with us. So we're updating that every chance we get. If somebody calls and wants to work with us, we're gonna put it on there and, and get that. So for our elk hunters, I mean, these terms they should be familiar with, make sure you check the voucher mm -hmm. properties as often as you can. 
And I'll tell you what, if, uh, from my experience, I've never been an elk hunter, but I've been down there on several hunts. If you were drawn to hunt elk in Eastern Kentucky, there is an app on the Department of Fish and Wildlife's website. You want to download this app. Man, it works really, really good with GPS on a cell phone. It'll tell you what property you're on, whether or not you can hunt it. Tell a little bit about that app and what it's called so a person can download it if they want to go elk hunt. Absolutely. So it's on our website under the map section. It's called the Explorer app. It's made by ArcGIS. You can get online, you download Kentucky, it will pull all the public hunting areas in the entire state. So even if you're an elk hunter or you're a waterfowl hunter at Ballard, you can download that. It has all of our areas. Like you said, it has you as you move across the landscape that shows you if you're on the public or you're off. Uh, it's, it's a great tool and our, a lot of our elk hunters use it and they use it a lot. And you say that's, that's also good throughout the state. You can use it in any Correct. public land. Yep. So let me ask you this, as new properties are, are, are added, through voucher programs or whatever else. Does it does it update like other apps on your phone or do you have to go in and read it? It does, it will automatically update. So as you log in and you unlog or as you refresh things and we put new properties on, it will show up. I tell you what, that's a very useful tool. If you're hunting private, or excuse me, public property here in the state of Kentucky, it's worth your few minutes to go in there and get that downloaded and it's free, right? Mm -hmm. Completely free. All right. All right, uh, Caleb from Shelby County. If I see a bear and I'm not in the bear hunting zone, can he take it? You wanna take this? Sure, I'll take that. Uh, well, number one, you have to have the proper license and permits to be able to do that. Um, you can always, you're always allowed to protect yourself from harm. Um, so, you know, that's always a thing that you can do, but yeah, if you're not, if you're not in the right area and you don't have the proper permits, you cannot take that bear. It's just like a deer or an elk or a turkey. Mm -hmm. Okay. Will from Clay County, I have an archery bull tag for elk and why can't I find elk where I used to? He said he's just not seeing them there anymore. Right, so um, that, you know, we hear that a lot. Our elk are smart, I and mean, that's one thing people <laughs> don't really give them credit for, that they're really wise to pressure. And so they've, we've hunted them for a handful of years pretty hard now, and so they've moved, they've changed their habits. You don't see these huge big winter herds, but we still see lots of little small groups and family units. So they're there, our, all of our research, all of our things that we do, says so our population's growing and strong, they're just, They've wised up a little bit to the hunting and hunting pressure for sure. And I will tell you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna attend an elk hunt with a hunter this year, and we were scheduled to go do some elk scouting last week. Well, with 92 degree weather, you might not see an elk throughout the daytime anyway. Yeah. So we actually canceled our scouting trip and said, you know what, we're gonna push it because you, if you go out there and the weather's going in the 90s, you've got such a short window if any time in daylight hours to see one. Yep. It's really, really tough. And they're big, big critters, big, thick fur. They're not going to be out there in that heat. They're down in the deep, dark timber, hiding, waiting for it to get cool at night. Yeah. So for our archery hunters here coming up next week, if it's going to be hot, you're just going to have a slow time until it cools off. Yeah, yeah. JB from Frankfurt wants to know why we don't do more strip mowing for quail. He's not talking about a particular piece of property. He's just saying in general. In general, strip mowing for quail. Um, not one of my favorite practices. The bush hog has probably eliminated more quail habitat in the Commonwealth <laughs> of Kentucky than just about anything that we've had on the landscape. Um, we do some strip mowing on our WMAs to provide access for hunters. Um, we try to do that with a uh, one in every three year strip. So it basically takes three years to get across uh, the field okay. is kind of what strip mowing is in general terms. But but uh, generally speaking, we try to avoid that. We try to push disking a little more, mm -hmm. prescribe fire, some other techniques that generate a much better habitat response and don't provide, heck, if it's easy for you to travel, it's easy for predators to travel. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so we certainly want to try to favor uh, quail as much as we can because most of the landscape's against them right now, so. All right. 
Phil, uh, this is a Facebook question. How far can a deer smell food like corn or cracked corn? Depends on the wind is what I'd say. <laughs> maybe not three feet, maybe a long way. Yeah. But in, in a normal wind, I mean, how far do you think you can draw deer using corn? I don't think, I don't think the smell is what's drawing them. Um, yeah. I think it's the, the knowledge of it being there. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the sound of the spit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have a, a real strong smell. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. It is legal still in Kentucky, and using corn is does draw some deer, no doubt about it. It can at certain times of the year, yeah. but I mean, Mother Nature's corn, acorns are yeah. hitting the ground right now. <laughs> I mean, and they're going to much better than anything you can put on the landscape for deer. Yeah, yeah. Stephen from Whitley County, what zone is Whitley County, and how many deer are you allowed to uh, harvest? How many days are in the season? Hey, this is the perfect question. Good question. I don't know if Whitley's one of the 36 or however many counties that changed, but what zone is that? And talk about whatever zone that is, what the new rules and regs are for that zone. Right, so Whitley is zone four, no change on Whitley County uh, as far as the zone status. However, zone four hunters, things have changed for you. Traditionally, the bag limit was four deer. Now it's two deer in zone four. Of those two deer, one antler deer and one antlerless deer only. So you can't shoot two antlerless deer in zone four, one only. Um, and that, that antlerless deer can be harvested with archery, crossbow, any of the youth seasons, uh, or the last three days of the late muzzleloader. So kind of no change there, it's just the total number of does that you can harvest. So no firearms, uh, uh, no firearm harvest of does in zone fours? No, no modern firearm. Muzzleloader, the last three days of the December muzzleloader okay. is the only time. Okay. All right, so that's uh, that's our update on Zone 4. There's going to be a lot of these coming in. We're going to recap some of the changes at the end of the show as well. Uh, here's another question about zones. In Zones 1, 2, and 3, how many bucks and does do you get? So this is kind of, uh, we've already talked about four. Chris, this is Chris from Breckenridge County, wants to know about how many does and bucks <clears throat> in Zones 1, 2, and 3. Gotcha, good question. So one buck doesn't matter what zone you're in. You can't shoot one in Zone 4 and move to Zone 1 and shoot another. It's one. Statewide, Statewide, you get one. One antler. No matter what the method to take. Correct. Um, so for does, in zone one, it's unlimited does. And this is all if, as long as you have the permits, mm -hmm. um, which is no change. Zone two, no change as well with that, up to four does. Um, and then zone three, up to four does as well. Mm -hmm. um, what we do is restrict the amount that you can harvest with a, a certain weapon, mainly modern firearm. Um, but one thing to keep in mind that we used to have is this cumulative bag limit of up to four deer in zones two, three, and four. So you could harvest one deer and four and then two and three and two and two and get to four and then you were done. Now it's a zone bag limit. So you have two deer in zone four. You could then load up and go to a zone three and it's a four deer limit, shoot four antlerless deer, load in the truck and move again and go to a zone two and shoot four antlerless deer as well. So trying to cut down on some of that confusion uh, with our with our hunters, it'll it'll make sense in a few years what we were working on. But uh, so, do we have any WMAs that are big enough now that they they hit more than one zone? Good question. Yes, we have a, a handful of WMAs that would be a zone one or a zone two or zone two or three. The thing to keep in mind is it goes with the most liberal zone. Okay. So if it's got a zone one in it somewhere, the entire WMA is a zone one. Okay. Or a two or a three, something along okay. those lines. Because I think that I've, I've done some hunting on some uh, WMAs that have lakes around them. Mm -hmm. And some of the lakes, you know, they may hit two or three counties. So whatever the most, whatever the lowest number that allows you to take the most deer, no matter what county you're in, if, if, if you got three zones and it's one, two, one and two, you get to abide by one, no matter what county you're in, Correct. in that WMA. Yep. 
Okay. So make sure if you're a public land hunter, make sure you look at all the counties around that that, that public land is in. This is Gary from Edmondson uh, in Butler County. Uh, this is this question I think we just talked about, but let's talk about it one more time. Zone two, can you take a bonus deer tag or are we only allowed four per the permit? So it would depend on if you harvested any other deer anywhere else. Okay. So if he's in zone two, he's got four on his statewide and he shoots all four there in zone two and wants to go somewhere else, he would have to buy the additional deer permit um, if he wanted to hunt a zone one or three or four. So essentially his bag limit for zone two would be filled four. if he took them all there, Correct. all four there. But if he hunted any any zone ones, it's not by county, it's by, by, it's zone. by zone. So yeah. if, if you've got two counties that are t zone two and you take two in this county and two in that county, you still filled your four bag limit for zone two. Correct. But you could then go buy a bonus tag and hunt zone one. Correct. And it, right. And it's not based off of where you live. That's a question we've got a lot. Yeah. It's based off of where you hunt and where you harvested that deer. Yeah. Okay. Will from Owen County, due to the large deer population in zone one, why did it take so long to increase the deer permit from two to four? Interestingly enough, you've been able to take more. It's just you didn't get them when you purchased your tag, right? Right. Yeah. You've always been unlimited in zone one since like 2001. So um, we're just allowing you to take more under the under the permit you've got now. All right. Jim from Lincoln County says, I've got uh, four tags. Can I kill two with a bow and two with a gun? Depends on the, depends on the, the zone you're in, correct? Right. And he could do that as long as he's in zone one, two, three, or, and four. No, four oh, I'm two. sorry. I'm sorry. One, two, and three. One, two, and three. Yep. Okay. Mike from Hardin County. Uh, landowners uh, hunt, uh, wants to know about leasing land. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what he's saying there. Sorry, Mike, I can't, uh, I can't read that one. Uh, Earl from uh, Shelbyville, um, <laughs> he wants to know why he has not been drawn for the elk hunt. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me three, good question. <laughs> you know, with him. You know, that's that's the, the good and the bad, I guess. Elk hunting in Kentucky is very, very popular, uh, but we also have a very limited number of spots. Um, and you know, this year we have 710 elk permits and we had around 80,000 applications. So, you know, thank you. I mean, there's a chance, um, but it's, it's tough. It really is. It's, it's, it's not a process that's really easy to jump in. Now, we've said this a million times. If you want to have the highest chance just to hunt, there's certain, certain boxes. You know, you've got four boxes. You've got arch archery, mm -hmm. cow, archery, uh, bull, uh, firearm, cow, firearm, bull. Some of those boxes don't get as many people put in for them. Right? Correct. Yep. So your archery cow is, is the, the least popular. It's also probably the hardest hunt to do. Yeah. But your best chance of, of drawing a tag. Yep. All right, David from Jefferson County wants to know what the HIP, uh, the HIP survey, the HIP, the HIP survey, wants to know what that is and do landowners need to complete it before hunting on their own property? Yes, the HIP survey is a migratory bird survey mm -hmm. where there it asks about um, doves, waterfowl, woodcock, snipe, rails. So it's a it's a federal program. So it is mandatory whether you're a exempt license holder or not. You have to fill that out to hunt migratory game birds. So yeah, it's a good and question. That's, it's a very good question because uh, you know I talked to a lot of people that were really excited about getting out and dove hunting that opening day, and I asked several of them, "Have you went on and on and taken your hip survey?" It can be a very right. very quick process. It's it, no matter yeah, how right on you, our website. If you don't waterfowl do. hunt or don't do a whole lot, I mean, it can be one or two questions. It can be as many as six or seven questions. But make sure you go on there and do that. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, if you're not sure if you did it, 
check out your My Profile on the Department of Fish and Wildlife webpage. It's amazing the resources you can you can get off of your profile page. It'll let you know your your hunter education card, your boater safety card, what type of tags you've got, what you've purchased, and I think you can do reprint of your hunting license as well off of there. So yeah, and it'll update as you buy more permits as you do. So it is good to reprint occasionally to make sure you know what you've got. Make sure you go on that on that and you have to write, Brandon, once you get a number from taking the hip survey, what do you do with that number? Best thing to do is to write it on your license uh, or something that you have on you to present to the conservation officer when they contact you in the field. And that's the great thing about smartphones. You know, you can you can pull your smartphone up if you got service, you can take the survey sitting in your truck, yeah. write it on your license, and hop on in the field and be good to go. Yeah, it really only takes a few seconds to take yes. it. Yep. Very sure. sure does. William from Muhlenberg um, wants to know signs of disease in whitetail. Are we seeing any signs of any disease in our whitetail this year? I guess you know, we had the big breakout last right. year, and I'm sure there's some concerns on that. Have we seen anything like that this year? So he's more than likely referring to EHD. Um, people have also noticed blue tongue. Mm -hmm. um, no, we've had a handful of reports, but it's below normal. I mean, we have reports every year in the state, and we have small outbreaks everywhere, but nothing like we did last year or in some of the big years, but uh, very, very minor. Okay, very good. The one interesting thing about blue tongue, when a deer gets that, it's highly likely that they won't get that again the next year or the year after that. It's kind of... Right, it's very similar to the flu. You know, as you get that and if you're exposed and you survive, your body's producing antibodies that's going to replicate through you uh, as long as as long as you're alive and not been exposed. So, you know, for our deer in, in East Kentucky that survived, I mean, they should be in good shape for the rest of their life. Good, great. Uh, RC from Fayette wants to know if he can hunt coyotes year-round on WMAs. What's the uh, rules or restrictions on coyote hunting WMAs? Well, it's tough to say for every WMA because they're they can be so different, but generally speaking, uh, coyotes do have a year-round season. So, like I said, generally, yes. Uh, but just to make sure, he would want to, to check the, the rules and regulations for that specific WMA. All right. Bill from Clark County wants to know if he buys an elk landowner's tag. He wants to know if that disqualifies, disqualifies him from the uh, future years, three years of being drawn. Right, so no, it does not. If you're drawn for a quota hunt, you have to sit out three years, but if you purchase any, of the, purchase any of the special permits that are out there that you actually pay for, no, you can continue to keep hunting and applying. All right. Hey, speaking of quota hunts, so the quota hunt system, um, all the quota hunts, including sandhill cranes, uh, some of our bird hunts, some of our deer hunts, th th all that season opened up to, to register on the 1st of September, right? right? Correct, and one thing to note is that it's all done online this year. Mm -hmm. So you can't call the 800 number, apply. Gotta go on our website, fw.ky.gov, and apply there. Also, uh, for our Sandhill Crane Hunters, they're, they're used to applying in October. Mm -hmm. That's moved to September, so everything uh, is in September if you apply for a quota hunt. And you have a lot of small game uh, hunts that well we actually back those down a little bit this oh, year to okay. open up opportunity for folks we used to have quail quota hunts okay. and um, Peabody and clay WMA and we've opened those up to two day a week hunting to give okay. people more opportunity we still have pheasant hunts though so okay. those are on three different WMAs Green River clay and yellow bank so this is the month to go online and make sure you apply for those hunts people have a good time this is the time of year make sure you get on there and register and sign up all right Brandon from Hardin County is a bull archery tag holder wants to know what is the state of the elk herd and what he thinks about or what you think about the future we just so happen to have Gabe here so what do you think about Dick all right Gabe? the herd's in great shape I mean if especially for our bulls and I mean you look at our top 10 on the hunting guide seven of the top 10 have been killed in the last three years so quality is really high 
Um, like we talked about previously, the, the herd is a little bit wiser to hunting pressure, got to work a little bit harder, not going down there and shooting one in the first afternoon, but strong and we're at our population goal and we're just, you know, really on cruise control at this point. Fantastic. Ernie from Jefferson County wants to know if it's a good idea to build a water source for deer. I'm not sure if he's talking about a pond or if he's talking about putting in uh, some type of a livestock. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on your property and where you are. If you've got, um, don't have water anywhere close, but in Kentucky, we're blessed with a ton of water sources. This is popular out west in the western U.S. where there's not a lot of water, but, but in, in this state, a deer usually shouldn't have to walk very far to find water. You know, where they would utilize that is in drought years, but we've been very green and very rainy this year man what a year this year as far as as far as the amount of rain that we've had it's 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 we've had a lot of rain this year um interestingly enough i don't know i've, I've been getting a lot of questions and this ain't a question that came in about our dove fields and the dove fields i know yeah. some of our dove fields people say they've been hit or miss and i know we were seeing tons of doves in some of our public fields just a week or two before the season yep what's your thoughts on that well doves are one of the most finicky birds known to man, I guess. I mean, we go from having thousands of doves a few weeks before the season and the season opens and they vanish. And I don't know if it's silage fields being cut. Sometimes it's tobacco cutting. There's other things that happen in the landscape that can draw them. We always hear about uh, the big cold front. We certainly didn't have that this year. So we can't say that for sure. Yeah. It could have been other agricultural practices or doves just switching behavior. I, it's, it's mind blowing sometimes. Yeah. It's really, Difficult for our managers out there to put so much effort into those fields, and then the day comes and sometimes they don't perform and sometimes they do. You know, and I and I but, know some of or I know some of our biologists that do. They 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 take pride in those oh, fields man. and they they make sure that they're ready to go. And when it's it's like it's kind of a kick in the shorts for yeah, them too. A, when they take in the shorts as they expect. They put a lot of work and pride into them for sure. Yeah, and a lot of the fields were weedy this year because you couldn't get in there and do the, the disturbance and manipulation because it was so wet this summer. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of our hunters did notice there's a lot more weeds in some of those fields, but yeah. that's because of the weather this summer. You couldn't get equipment in there and do the work. Yeah. Well, hopefully the, the, you know, the thing is about dove season, it's, a, it's the most interesting how so many hunters hit the field for the opening day of dove season and they forget how long that season is actually. Oh yeah, in. it's two days and out, but it's open for <laughs> heck, it, well into October. Well, and it <laughs> so, goes out and then it comes then it back, back in, in and you can hunt in January and February. Yeah, I mean, December. there's That's so right. much opportunity to hunt doves. Don't give up on your dove season if you didn't have a, a good opening day hunt because there are some That's right. great opportunities coming your way. I'm Man, sure. they're so good to eat. <laughs> well, on opening weekend, we, uh, the fields we checked in central Kentucky were just empty. I mean, there was a couple that had doves coming in, but we would pull up the fields and check them. There'd be people, they'd be sitting at the truck drinking water. Yeah. Because there's no dirt, you know, dust flying around. So. Yeah, you know, it's I didn't see you, but I was there with those folks. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking water. I knew what I was shooting. <laughs> I'd say I've had a lot of phone calls saying they were, they were, it's been a, one of the worst years they've seen on some of the, the public landfields. So, you know what? It's just one of those things. Yeah. It's a it's a wild that's animal. That's why they call it hunting. It's it's it's, it's unfortunate, those. but that's that's our our practices haven't changed any in what we were doing. No, it's just, no, it was just hey, the doves outwitted us this year, and some <laughs> fields were great, but I've heard but, some private hunts but, are they're having good, but they're they're planting later and later and later, and they're not doing it for opening weekend. We kind of have a target date. Yeah, we target have, opening weekend for sure. That's when we get the highest hunting pressure on our areas. Yeah. So. All right, Bill from Hart County wants to know how the mailman survey for rabbits have been. This is something I'm interested in. 
Yeah, we are still putting that data in the computer, unfortunately. We do okay. that the last week of July, so we haven't had, I haven't seen the results of the survey yet, um, but some anecdotal reports we have. I've heard a lot of good reports of people seeing a lot of young rabbits this year. I've had the same reports on quail this year, so, but you know, in line with what we talked about with turkeys earlier, mm -hmm. it looks like a good reproductive year for a lot of our small game critters and turkeys both. So we're looking forward to a fall season that's a little bit better than what we've had in the last few. So I'll tell you what, I'm we're already, due, we're due. I'm already making my phone calls. I'm calling some of my buddies that got some good rabbit dogs. Made some of those calls this weekend, mm -hmm. actually. One of my favorite activities is rabbit hunting. I just absolutely love it. Oh, it's fun. Very social, get the dogs in there a lot. I mean, it's, it's big fun. It's a blast. And there's strategy into it too. So it's, oh, yeah. it's really a lot of fun. You know what, and older people tend to really like it too because patience is a virtue in rabbit hunting. <laughs> You see people Definitely that say that, that. that that rabbit takes off and that dog that dog's chasing it and they want to get in behind that dog and go, you know, the person just sitting back there watching those young bucks take off go, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> that rabbit comes back around. That's right. Like it's, you know, patience is a virtue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark from uh, Harlan County. Can a hunter debone their deer in the woods after it's telechecked? Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, before they can remove the head or the cape and the, the, the hide animal has to be telechecked. That way we can see what, you know, the gender of the, of the deer is. Ed from Owsley County, why are the turkey mites so bad in the fall? And uh, say that they're really bad in Eastern uh, US and in Northern Kentucky. Any updates on turkey mites? No, I don't have anything extra new to talk about the turkey mites. So um, I, I, I couldn't give him a good answer for that. We've been seeing massive advances of ticks, mm. um, certainly in the eastern U.S. and across the, the country as a whole. So we're seeing a lot more tick-borne illness, and that's something our hunters should be very aware of, maybe more so than they've been historically, is, is issues with ticks and mm. being very conscious of, of tick-borne ailments that come from that, whether it's Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, Tularemia, Alpha-Gal, which is the, the red meat food allergy. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of things that our hunters need to be aware of when it comes to insects now in the field. And that makes some really good repellent out there for that as well. You just make yes, sure you put absolutely. on your clothes and, and uh, yeah, you know. clothes with permethrin, don't put that on your skin, but mm -hmm. deep you would put, mm -hmm. you can put on your skin. So yeah, it's a good point, Chad. Jamie from Menifee County, how many deer can they take in Menifee County? Let's talk a little bit about the guide and all the counties that are listed on there and where they can find an updated. Now there's two hunting guides out there floating around. There's the, you want to make sure you're reading the updated one and it has a big banner across the corner of it that says updated. But talk to me a little bit about Menifee County and they want to know how many deer they can take and what, uh, what, what may, uh, buck doe ratio they can take or how many they can take of each. <clears throat> and then talk about where you can find a new version of the hunting guide. Right, so Menifee County, they're a zone four. Mm -hmm. So two deer, like we talked about, and um, in Whitley County, two deer, one antler deer, and one antlerless deer only. Um, for our hunters that are, are looking at it, there were 32 zone changes this year. So make sure you get online and look at our hunting guide. There, like Chad, you mentioned, there is an updated uh, hunting guide. It should be hitting the shelves later this month. Um, it'll say updated right on the side. So that, that version is online right now. You can get that on all the different species pages or on the very beginning of our website right there. Okay. Joe from Indiana, which license are needed for an out-of-state hunter to hunt deer in the state of Kentucky? He also wants to know if he is handicapped, does that license transfer from Indiana to Kentucky? I'm not sure about that. No, I don't think it does. Mm -hmm. um, he's gonna have to come to Kentucky and buy our non-resident uh, hunt license and deer permit. Okay, so a non-resident and a deer permit. And he's also gonna have to have a hunter education card, uh, 
depending on when his birthday is. Okay. So when when is the date where, and it's not, it's the same for out-of-state and in-state, right? Is it? Uh, I believe so, yes. We do, uh, we do acknowledge out-of-state hunter education cards. Mm -hmm. So if he has one from Indiana, it's good here in Kentucky. Uh, but anybody born before January 1st, 1975 is exempt from having to have a hunter education card. Okay. It's a good idea to have it anyway, yeah. but you're not legally required. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mike from Davies County wants to know how long antlers can be to be considered a button buck. This is this has this has been the same for quite some time now, right? Right. So a button buck is this year's fawn, um, and and that is considered an antlerless deer in this state. So you know if it was born this year and got velvet around the base, um, it's it's a it's a antlerless deer the way you would check that. All right. Paul from Campbell County wants to know how many does can be taken on a, a, a disabled license. So a disabled license would be the same as a regular. It's a sportsman's license essentially, right? Correct, but it does include the the bonus tags also. Right. Okay. Okay. So how many? I mean, so they can kill the maximum that the zone allows. Well, the for the disability license, it covers the the regular deer permit, which is four deer, and then the bonus tag, which is two additional deer. Okay. So if they wanted to go beyond that, they'd need to buy an additional uh, correct bonus tag. Okay. All right. So it depends on what zone you're in, but it's up to six then correct. if you're in zone one. Yes. Okay. Wayne from Clay County is bow hunting uh, during gun season legal and can he kill a doe if he's bow hunting this is interesting because this has been the same way for a long time but i guess he's a bow hunter and he wants to go by the bow hunting rules during gun season he wants to know if that's legal go by the well he uh, you can totally use a bow during gun season mm -hmm. uh, but you're going to be required to wear hunter orange but so if you're in zone four and it's you can't take a doe with a firearm and it's firearm season but he's bow hunting. He's fine, yes, because it's all about what you take your deer with. With the weapon. Okay, so he, can, he could take a doe during gun season with, with a bow. Correct. Yes. All right, fantastic. Samantha from Metcalf County. Uh, how many does can you take in the fall hunting season? Well, that's, that depends. Depends <laughs> on your zone. Yeah, that's a we're, gonna, we're gonna do a recap of all the changes and all the rules and regulations here at the end too. So uh, Samantha, we'll get to your question here in just a second. Will from Owen County, how fast do deer antlers grow? That's an interesting question. Extremely fast. Um, it, you know, of course, it depends on the age and how much antler they're going to grow. But antler is the second fastest growing um, tissue besides cancer. So it grows extremely fast. Um, wow. And that's you know, why a lot of research goes into uh, like sports and antlers and how fast they can uh, come back from injuries, things like that, because it can... They you know it moves so fast. I'll tell you what, you want to see something really impressive. When the antlers first start growing, go to the Salado Center where you can see that bull elk and come back a week later and you will be amazed. You won't even think it's the same animal. Yeah. They, it really, really, really grows fast, doesn't it? Yeah, when I think about a moose, I mean, they're 40 pounds worth of antler that they're growing in two or three months. It's unbelievable. It is absolutely amazing. Michael from Bullock County wants to know what the deer population uh, is like in Bullock County. Bullock County is strong, zone one. So, um, you know, we're trying to reduce the population there. All right, I got Robert from Boone County. He says, what can he do about groundhogs? Not allowed to shoot guns in Walton. Doesn't really know how to trap and he's having problems with them getting in and around his house. It's not necessarily a hunting question. Um, this would be in our non-game for the most part, but what would you guys recommend for getting rid of them? Uh, well, probably the best thing to do and easiest would be to contact a nuisance wildlife control right. operator. Uh, they make a living by taking care of nuisance animals. They can do it outside of, of course, groundhogs are year-round season anyway. 
but they'll use traps or other legal methods and get rid of them. But they do charge a fee generally because that's their job. Um, and we do have a database of those on our website. Mm -hmm. You can uh, look on there by county and um, it'll bring up all the, we call them NUCOs, uh, and they'll bring up all those in that area. All right, um, this is an anonymous person from Shelby County, wants to know what they can do when their neighbor is uh, killing extra bucks and not shooting any does. <laughs> what do you recommend if someone oh, goes, I, you know what, I got I've the got- answer for that. So they're, they're killing more, <laughs> more bucks than they're allowed? Yes. Yeah. Call us, <laughs> yeah. call, call the local game warden. Um, what county was it again? That was Shelby County. Okay. Um, I believe that might be Chris Rigsby, but the best way to find out the local conservation officers to get on the website, and uh, you can look up Shelby County, and it'll bring up biologists, uh, game wardens, whoever works that county, and then they can contact the local conservation officer. They would be more than happy to take that call <laughs> if somebody's killing uh, excess bucks. Okay. Mike from Crittenden County, can you speak to the turkey decline in Crittenden and Livingston counties, and what was the status of the carcass collection? Do we do a carcass collection there? We did collect, uh, boy, I think over 30 carcasses we took down to the University of Georgia for analysis. I haven't heard the results uh, from that work yet, but um, there's no doubt declining numbers in both Crittenden and Livingston County. It is a couple of counties that we're seeing in the state where we have decreasing numbers. Mm -hmm. um, we have no evidence. I mean, we're looking for disease or something unusual. Uh, we have seen some changes in habitat. We're losing a lot of CRP. Uh, which is some uh, farm bill retirement fields that are real weedy that certainly helps foster turkey populations. Uh, but all in all, we still don't know those answers. So, uh, but we don't expect anything catastrophic going on, but we're definitely looking into it. Uh, and we'll be putting out that information soon as we get that, that data back from the University of Georgia. It takes a while to, to go through all the necropsy okay. on that many turkeys, but, all right. but we're looking into it. Ralph from Whitley County wants to know if he can hunt from his vehicle in Peabody with a disa disabled vehicle permit. I'm not sure what he's hunting. He doesn't say what he's hunting, but I'm assuming it's maybe non a small game. But what what about hunting with if you have a disabled? I can't speak to Peabody specifically because I don't work there. But uh, generally speaking, in the state, if you have an exemption that does allow you to hunt from a stationary vehicle, mm -hmm. you know that that generally is not legal to do. But if you have that special exemption signed by a doctor, a physician, then you're allowed to do that. Generally speaking, now I'm not gonna say for Peabody because I don't know all the ins and outs of Peabody WMA. But yes. There's people that are always at Peabody checking you in and out that love to answer any of these type of questions. And there's phone numbers, you can reach them. Drive in there and, give, and uh, stop by and, and talk to them. I'm sure they'd, they'd love to answer that question before you get out there and do something you're not supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I know a lot of WMAs have mobility impaired areas identified specifically. So you definitely need to look into each WMA to make sure. Okay, Mike from Hardin County wants to know, is it legal to have a gun, uh, I guess, in your boat at Nolan Lake to shoot squirrels in the red line, which the, it's the WMA? The answer, yes. Uh, you can take squirrels from a vessel, from a boat. Uh, you cannot take turkeys or deer from a vessel, but you can squirrels. I'll tell you what, that was something that uh, I grew up doing at Nolan, actually. We would get out there, and my dad would always, we were getting out fish, bass fishing, we would... Uh, during squirrel season, we'll quite often take, it, take oh, yeah. a shotgun. Those squirrels don't pay any attention to you when you're in a boat because they <laughs> see a million boats, you know, throughout the year. Yeah, and that's something that, I mean, you gotta be very mindful though, because when you say red line at Nolan Lake, some of that areas have houses there. So, you, you know, you, you wanna make sure that you're hunting an area that doesn't have a house Absolutely. that you're shooting toward. And take but. a safe shot. Uh, like you said, sometimes the red line is 
really far away from the water, sometimes it's really close. Mm -hmm. So you have to be cognizant of, of the houses and things around and always make sure you take a safe shot. Yeah. All right, uh, Samantha from Metcalf County wants to know if she kills four deer and she has all that she wants, can she hunt and donate what she doesn't use? It's a really, really good question because we have a program here in Kentucky called Hunters for the Hungry. And Gabe, you work with them quite a, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about donating deer. She wants to know if she could donate what she doesn't use. Now, you have to donate the entire deer. You can't donate a portion, correct? Correct. Okay, talk to me a little bit about donating a deer for Hunters for the Hungry. And so, you're right. We have a Hunters for the Hungry program here in Kentucky. They have a website. They have a Facebook page. Uh, essentially, what they're doing is they're paying for the processing of deer. That, that, that deer goes back into the community to food banks and local shelters to provide food to, to the hungry. The biggest thing is we have to work with our processors to process those deer. And essentially, what we're doing is giving each processor an allotment of deer that we're going to pay for. So if you're interested in shooting a deer and donate it for Hunters for the Hungry, I tell folks donate it early, or if you donate it during gun season or want to do that, make sure you call that processor first and see if what their quota is, if they're still taking them. Um, you can find all that information on, on Hunters for the Hungry's website or their Facebook page okay. um, and, and find that information there. But it's you, a great program. You, you mentioned something. I've, I've donated a couple of deer. We actually took one on, on Kentucky Field and donated it uh, in Jefferson County. Um, you don't have to take it to the exact county you harvest the deer, right? Right. Yeah, it can go to any processor that works with Kentucky Hunters for the Hungry. But you do need to be careful because some processors, and you know, they may have a small allotment, and they may not take them during archery season. You need to contact your processor that you plan on donating that deer and make sure that they're going to take it because as it gets dark really, really late in the early part of the bow season, if you take that deer and you're wanting to run it down to X processor and they close at 6 and they may not take deer so you, got, you, got, you need to make that phone call, but hey, donate that deer to Hunters for the Hungry. It's amazing how far they can stretch a couple pounds of venison. And it's free. Now that's one thing, is mm -hmm. it doesn't cost you anything as a hunter. Now, if they've met their quota and you really want to donate, you can pay for that mm -hmm. and do that. And Hunters for the Hungry would really love to do that if you're willing to harvest and pay for that as well and donate it. Hey, we're getting tons of questions. Thanks to you for calling. I know we got a lot of distractions out there. We got a lot of football games that people are watching, but I appreciate you uh, making these phone calls. And get out there in the woods. The weather's about ready to get a lot better. Hey, we've got about nine or ten minutes left. I want to make sure that we go through thoroughly some of the changes. We've we've gotten to some of it with our questions, but let's Gabe, let's talk about some of our changes to the deer season this year. So let's talk about our zones first and foremost. We've had four zones for quite some time. We still have four zones. Talk to me about what those zones are and what the changes uh, this year. Like zone one, we identify as counties that have. Too many deer, correct? Correct. We want the population to come down in zone one. Okay. So in zone one, there's literally been no change. Um, it's still unlimited does, one antler deer, um, no change there. In zone two, same same thing goes, no change on the number of antlerless deer that you can harvest. Where the most of our change is, is in zones three and zones four. Biggest thing for our modern gun hunters is you have a 16-day modern gun season now. Traditionally, it's been 10. Now you're going to get additional six days for your modern gun season. Um, in zone three, it's still four deer, but only one of those, only one antlerless deer can be harvested with a firearm. So that would include both of the muzzleloader seasons and the modern gun season. Mm -hmm. Then moving into zone four, 16 day gun season as well. Um, you can only take a buck, an antler deer during that 16 day gun season. Um, the biggest change also along with that is just one antlerless deer only instead of four. Mm -hmm. And that can be taken during archery, crossbow, either of the youth in the last three days of the late muzzleloader.
Okay. There also are some changes in the number of tags that you will get when you actually purchase your license. Correct. Regardless of what type of license you've purchased, you're going to have four tags, correct? Correct. So in your statewide deer permit, our hunters are used to having two deer with that. It's now four. And then if you want to harvest more than four deer, you can go out and buy your additional deer permit, which gets you two. If you live in a county that you've hunted for quite some time and you go, hey, we're, we're a zone two, we've always been a zone two, this is a year you might want to take a look at the updated guide because quite a few counties changed zones this year, didn't they not? Absolutely. 32 counties changed um, and all of them went into the more liberal category. So from threes to twos were the biggest change, a handful from two to one. All being said, I'll tell you what, Kentucky has a very good population of deer. Mm -hmm. We do have some counties that, that that population needs to come down. You know, a lot of people go, oh man, how can you have too many deer? If you're a hunter seeing too many deer, <laughs> you, there's no such thing as having too many deer. But it's not only is it because of the deer car collision and crop damage. I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons, but also you tend not to see the big, big trophy deer mm -hmm. when the food source is being consumed. There will be a time where in, in January and February where there's not much food, and if it's trying to sustain a large population of deer, it makes the, the, the size of the deer you start seeing start to go down. Correct? Absolutely, it's the health. You know, their body conditions are going down, the fat deposition is less, you know, and then that equates right into antler production for our buck hunters. So, I mean, if they're stressed and not putting on good, healthy weight, they're not gonna be able to put as much effort into antler development. So, you know, usually too many deer, equates into lower deer or at least buck antler size as well. Mm -hmm. And I'll add something to that thought. I mean, it goes well beyond deer. Absolutely. I mean, they affect habitat. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about small game effects, you're talking about songbird effects, you're talking about turkey habitat. Deer affect the environment and they hurt habitat for a lot of other organisms. So it's a big deal when the deer herd is too dense. It not only hurts deer, it hurts wildlife in general. It, interestingly enough, I hate, I hate to throw the blame to, 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 to deer, but we keep hearing about increased ticks. I knew well, one thing, you go to an area that's got a good thick deer population, you're probably going to have a lot of ticks as well. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those things that a high, high number, over, overpopulation of deer is a situation where it's good for everyone to bring those numbers down. And uh, hunting, and don't forget the bow hunting, because a lot of these counties, if you look, if you look at where the population resides in Kentucky, a lot of them is up on the river. <laughs> uh, you've got Owensboro, and you've got Louisville, and you've got Boone County. They're all zone one counties. Try to get out there and find you a piece of property. It doesn't have to be something really large. Try to find you a piece of property that you can get access with a bow and arrow, or when crossbow season comes in, and try to get you a deer that way. It's a really good way to take those numbers and put some early, early venison in the freezer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, anything else on the, on the, on the zones? So the biggest thing is if you're a deer hunter in this state, we've changed something that affects you. Mm -hmm. So if you're unclear of what we've covered, go back to our website, look at the updated hunting guide, review that. So biggest takeaway from this, in my opinion, is make sure you look at the new guide and visit on, on our internet. All right, let's get back to some more questions here. Uh, we have Billy from Laurel County, wants to know about the grouse population and any plans for an improvement plan on that? Yes. Uh, we have a, a very elaborate grouse plan put together. Uh, we've gotten some money in from Wisconsin thanks to uh, the elk program. The small game folks appreciate trading some elk for money to help do grouse work in eastern Kentucky. So some of that work is beginning. Uh, Dewey WMA is, is one of the one. Dewey Lake WMA is where some work's going on. Clay WMA, we've done a lot of timber harvest. So we are in action trying to create habitat for grouse. Uh, Grouse aren't doing real well right now, to be perfectly honest. If you can harvest a grouse in Kentucky, uh, consider it a trophy right now. Um, we're working to change that. 
It's going to take a lot of habitat management, much like the work we've done with quail is, is very habitat centric. East Kentucky is not favorable for grouse right now, and we're working with, with a whole bunch of partners. We don't own a bunch of this ground in East Kentucky, so it's very hard for the department to get the work done. Uh, even some of the WMAs are, are owned by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers or Daniel Boone. We don't have control, mm -hmm. so we have to collaborate with those partners to get that work done. So it takes time, but we're making progress and action starting to happen. Uh, it is worth checking out the tornado zones, though. Uh, when you remember back quite a few years ago, now it's probably six or seven years ago, and you remember those horrible tornadoes that went through West Liberty comes to mind. Mm -hmm. In those, there's a couple of big tornado swaths. There are grouse in those areas. So if you have access to the private lands where those tornadoes went through, that's the number one place I would encourage people to think about chasing grouse this year because okay. I think you could find them and have a chance to harvest some. So. You know, every now and then we get a lot of ice damage and things where you start seeing some Mother of that. Nature makes grouse habitat for us, unfortunately. <laughs> we're trying to make it a little faster because uh, we're not getting in a broad enough expanse. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, we had some great responses to ice damage. Mm -hmm. Now we've had tornadoes. We see responses to that. So Here's a question on quail eggs. It's uh, Tori from Franklin. Wants to know if it's legal to eat quail eggs. I'm not sure. Uh, um, yeah, I guess if you have your own captive flock and want to <laughs> eat a quail egg, it's a... That's a, maybe it's a delicacy. I don't know. I can't say I've ever had one. I like the bigger eggs. <laughs> if, you go out in the, if you go out in the wild and find your own quail eggs, you're not allowed to take those and eat them, are you? No, you can't harvest an egg from the wild for certain. That's why I was noting captive flocks and captive <laughs> populations. If you can find a quail egg, though, I mean, good luck to you finding a quail <laughs> egg out something. there. I mean, maybe you can eat that. I so, should say that. You can't eat the egg. But, but picking I, up but if, can you really find it? I'm not too sure we have too many people find a quail egg. Picking up any any wild game bird or any mini bird's eggs and eating them, consuming them, is probably not a real good idea. Not likely, no. I think they've been watching too many shows of Alone think, <laughs> on TV. <laughs> They're out there looking to eat eggs. Yeah. So. George from Laurel County wants to know if retired veterans get any type of discounting discount on license and tags. I don't think so. I don't think, so. I don't think that's the case, yeah. Uh, Ray wants to, uh, we've talked about this, but he wants to reconfirm that if you're over the age of 65, he can crossbow hunt during the regular season. Regular archery season. Archery season, yes. All right, uh, Laura from Hancock County wants to know, says she saw an albino deer with some regular brown does. How common are albinos? They're, I mean, they're one in every couple 10,000. Um, we hit a handful of them every year, but yeah, they're... Hey, thank you for joining us this this issue of Kentucky Afield. We hope we got to your question. If not, uh, give us a call at the Info Center. We can always get your questions answered. Stay tuned. Watch Kentucky Field in the upcoming weeks. we got some great shows to get to, and I think you need to get outside and get a youth out there with you, get in a dove field, or get them started in deer hunting. Rabbit hunting is right around the corner. Squirrel season's open, Chad. Get those kids out there squirrel hunting. Squirrel hunting is a great way to introduce a kid into hunting. Joel from Pendleton County. Can you use a 22 during modern deer season to hunt squirrel? I guess he's a squirrel hunter and he wants to hunt squirrel. Obviously, you can't Except hunt opening, opening weekend. weekend. It's cannot. the only time they yeah. could not. As long as the season's in, the squirrel season ends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Barry from Hopkins County. If you're a landowner and you're required to buy. All right. Well, as requested, that was the 2018 Fall Hunting Call-In Show. I um, hope you guys learned something. I uh, hope you thought it was interesting. Uh, like I said beforehand, a lot's been going on. Uh, deer season's here. I've been out in the woods. I've been doing quite a bit. I'm looking forward to quite a bit more. I've been dove hunting. Yeah, things have been happening. So I'm going to get 
Lee and hopefully another guest in here very, very soon. We'll do another more traditional podcast where we just kind of, you know, have conversation. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it and I will be uh, talking to you soon. Thank you.